something worth fighting for? What about our freedom and this piece of ground? We didn't get to keep them by backing down. They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in. Before you start your preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. Number one is in staff, and our five is in staff. Hey, I'm in a situation with a man who learned a possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The traffic's erratic again. Call Mary Lane. Betty, talk to me. Betty, talk to me. Betty, talk to me. Betty, tal
Ready there? Ready? Ready? The plane is What? Was it 735, New York. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, two of them. Fuel says it's flying uh, on an airplane that's been hijacked. If things don't go well, it's not looking good. I just want you to know it absolutely fuck you. I want you to be good. So happy to find uh, things to my parents and everybody. And I just totally love you and uh, I'll see you later. Hi, babe. Auto Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. and all points northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Window World King's Court on kevinslaytonshow.com. You can hear the live show here every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Central Time. Podcast right here on Spotify, on Apple, on Amazon, Google, Anchor, and any place you listen to podcasts. Those two clips were the first and second planes hitting the towers of the United Trade Center, excuse the... Um, yeah, the United Trade Towers, the Twin Towers, I should say, the United Trade Center, 22 years ago this morning. You probably could stop time and remember exactly where you were. It's one of those moments in history where we all remember where we were, like the Kennedy assassination, things of that nature, the moment bin Laden was killed. But this one really... I think sticks in everyone's mind. I remember where I was and I was uh, at a Krieger's restaurant in Chesterfield, believe it or not. We were taping a television commercial at 5 a.m. at Krieger's and there were a bunch of uh, employees and friends of employees who were there as extras. So to make it look as though it was a filled restaurant as we did our taping. And when we finished right around eight o'clock, Someone said a plane had hit the World Trade Center, and I remember thinking and saying, how drunk was that guy, thinking it was a small plane. We turned the televisions on, and we could see the smoke billowing from the first tower, and we sat there in shock. Uh, 
watching as we saw the ominous, what looked to be, if you remember the video, a black jet, simply because of the way the sun was hitting it, a black jet coming up the Hudson River. And I remember thinking, he's way too low. What's going on? And then he made a quick left turn and crashed into the second tower. And that's when we all knew we were under attack of some sort and it wasn't going to end well. And then, of course, there were two more. First the Pentagon, then Shanksville. Oh, my God. So both towers are now... Okay, I got an aircraft. Yeah, stop all the parkers. Yeah, I can't protect my NCA. United 93, that traffic fuse, one o'clock, 12 miles eastbound, 3-7-0. Those were the final moments of United Flight 93 as it crashed into the ground in Shanksville. The passengers who were heroes bringing that plane down before it could do more damage. You heard the voice of the pilot in the as they scrambled the F-15s to go look for these planes that weren't responding. And he had that one in sight as the wings were dipping from side to side. The air traffic controller told him to speed north of it and get away as fast as you can. But I always thought that was bad advice. Because those guys were trained to take that plane down if it was going to do damage on the ground. I'm assuming they still would have, but fortunately, those heroes took that plane to its demise knowing that they were going along with it, but they were saving other lives. And in Daryl Worley's song that we played before the show started, Have You Forgotten? He says, they went down as, or they went down like heroes. They didn't go down like heroes. They went down as heroes. Because that's what they were. And you remember all those anguished calls from people on the planes uh, where the one guy called his wife and he said, we're ready to roll. And they attacked those hijackers on that Flight 93. And you could hear the voice of the pilot, the the hijacker pilot, telling people to sit down. Those were such haunting pieces of audio as New York City prepares to commemorate the anniversary of this horrific day this morning. 
for the first time in our history in the 22 years since the attacks on New York City and Washington, the sitting president of the United States will not attend the ceremonies. O'Biden is somewhere in Alaska. Now, I'm not the most organized person in the world, but if I had people that organized my daily schedule, very little organization to be done, I might add, with Biden, couldn't you have arranged your schedule to make trips abroad at a different time? Wouldn't that have been the wise course of action so that you don't give the middle finger to all of the families who lost their loved ones on 9-11 and 2001? This is the most despicable of things And it's a long list of despicable things that this guy has done. He is one of the most vile creatures known to mankind. He sickens me every time I hear his voice or see his face and then learn of his behavior. Everything about this guy is anti-American. And we know he's a puppet and the puppeteer is Obama. But for this guy to skip the 9-11 ceremonies is unheard of. It doesn't matter if you've liked George W. Bush or Obama or President Trump. All were there. Only this guy has decided to skip these ceremonies. For that matter, he should skip everything the rest of his life. Just stay away. Stay away from the Afghanistan parents who you murdered their children. Stay away from them. Stay away from veterans. Stay away from heroes. Because, buddy, you are the last thing when it comes to heroism. There is nothing like you, and heroism is not what you're about. Just disgraceful. Disgraceful. I don't know know any other word, I don't know any language strong enough to condemn this moron, this son of a bitch, for skipping these ceremonies. He is worthless. He's a worthless piece of shit. That's what he is. And if you voted for him, you're the same. Sorry, folks, but you are him if you voted for him. I'll be happy to say that I'm Trump because I believe in everything Trump does. And everything Trump does is about this country first. We would take it for granted that that's what a president should be, wouldn't we? I mean, when when Trump first started saying America first, I started thinking, well, sure, America first. I didn't realize how America's last in the minds of liberals and the freak show that's trying to take over this country. Keep in mind, these people, these, this freak show is the distinct minority of people in this country, and yet people still vote for these people. So when I think the freak show is the distinct minority, I look at the polls and I, I see people vote for this guy? What? And I'm talking about, did anybody vote for him? Of course he didn't win the election. Frank Siller, who is an American hero, who started the Tunnels to Tower uh, Foundation that takes care of families of these folks who were killed on 9-11, as well as killed in the line of duty in other areas during the course of a year, and and buys them mortgage-free homes, pays off their mortgage on their homes, and I'm, I'll give them a commercial. $11 a month is all you have to contribute to make that happen, folks. So if you're going to contribute to a charity, if you're going to donate, 
I highly recommend Tunnel to Towers. I've been doing it for years now, and I couldn't feel better about it. I'm no, I'm no hero. I'm just trying to help. But all, the, all he is asking for is 11 bucks. He's one of the great Americans, Frank Siller. His brother, Stephen Siller, was one of the firemen who didn't make it home on 9-11. One of the firemen that Joe Biden gives the middle finger to today. One of the police officers that Biden gives the double-barreled middle finger salute today. Low-rent son of a bitch. Why didn't he go down in a plane? I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you. You hate to say that, but man, oh man. Is this world better off without Biden? You bet it is. Just, you're, you're an ancient cadaver. Just pass away, will you? Leave us. These are the kind of people he's going to turn his back on today. These are the final calls from the buildings, from the towers on 9 11. And then you could hear the buildings fall. Can you imagine how haunting those calls are? Imagine being in there. And now imagine being a family member. And on the one day of the year when you commemorate their loss, this bastard's nowhere to be found. It's unbelievable. And yet, you won't hear any media coverage of it. You won't hear CNN or NBC or CBS or ABC, any one of them. MSNBC, they won't say a boo. Not a boo. We go back to the couple of days just after the buildings collapsed when George W. Bush had his finest moment with a megaphone in his hand standing on a pile of garbage that was once the World Trade Center with his arm draped around the fire chief and he delivered this message and got the chance of USA going for the first time. I want you all to know that America today, America today is on bended knees in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who work here, for the families who mourn. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! Certainly his finest moment it gets you it brings you to tears every time you hear it, doesn't it? 
And of course, those very firemen that were standing there and policemen and first responders on that day when he made that speech later became sick from all of the toxic fumes and everything that surrounded Ground Zero, and many of them died. And Biden doesn't care about them either. Couldn't care less. Remember a week or so later when Major League Baseball, after having suspended the season, returned to games, and Jack Buck gave his famous poem that he had written, and he recited it down at Bush Stadium, And then a few weeks later, the World Series, which just happened to be played in New York with the Yankees in it. And the first home game of the series, George W. Bush came to Yankee Stadium to throw out the first pitch. Here was the atmosphere at the stadium. From an observer and then from Paul O'Neill, one of the players of the Yankees, as as well as an umpire, Jim Joyce, and, and and it was it was incredible what happened with the umpires. I remember seeing guys holding automatic weapons, and I remember thinking to myself, "This is now my America." Walking into the locker room and seeing a bomb doll go through your your locker. These were reminders of what was going on around us. As we walked into the locker room, there was a gentleman standing there we had never seen before. He says, well, President Bush is going to come, and he's going to throw out the first pitch, and we need a Secret Service agent on the field, and so I'm going to dress as an umpire. He had communications. He had guns. He had things hooked on the back. He had things hooked on the front. And I said, how are you going to hide all that stuff? He says, don't worry. He says, it'll disappear. All of a sudden, there was a knock at the door, and President Bush walked into our room. Can you imagine a Secret Serviceman? I never knew that story. That was uh, Jim Joyce, the umpire, the, the uh, umpire and crew chief of the World Series game that night. I did not know until I was doing my research on this morning that they dressed an umpire, or dressed a Secret Service agent as an umpire that night. Tino Martinez was a Yankee player, and he's been appearing with Frank Siller to promote Tunnel to Towers. And Tino remembered Bush's first pitch. That was one of the most amazing moments I've been a part of. When he went out there and threw out that first pitch um, with the bulletproof vest on, the jacket on, he threw a perfect strike. I still could hear the stadium, 55,000 people. The roar of that stadium, that one that one pitch was yeah. electric. It was wild. It was loud. And Bush later recalled, as he got ready for the for the first pitch, he realized he didn't want to look foolish. So he went down under the stadium and uh, in the batting practice area, and he began to warm up and throw warm-up pitches. While he was there, the Yankee great Captain Derek Jeter came in to try to lighten the mood a little bit, and Bush and Jeter recall those moments. Hey, Prez, how are you doing? Good, Derek. It's good luck tonight. Thank you, sir. And he said, say, I hear you're throwing out the first ball. So I just asked him if he was going to be throwing the first pitch from the mound or in front of the mound. President said, I don't think I'll throw from the base of the mound. Jeter said, I want to do that if I were you, Mr. President. And I told him, uh, you better throw it from the mound, otherwise you're going to get booed. I said, this, this is Yankee Stadium. I said, okay, I'll throw from the mound. And he's walking out, and he looks over his shoulder, and he says, don't bounce it, they'll boo you. <laughs> 
you can just imagine Derek Jeter. And Frank Siller was on uh, television this morning. He was on a, a lot this morning talking about Tunnel to Towers. And here's what they announced just this morning. Hey, we're delivering 22 mortgage free homes on Monday on September 11th because we want to make sure that evil never uh, uh, triumphs over good. Good always triumphs, triumphs over evil, and that's why we're doing that on that day, giving 22 mortgage free homes to great heroes and their families that paid the ultimate sacrifice. More importantly, that we never forget what happened 22 years ago. Talk about a guy who got off his rear end and went into action after his brother was killed. It's unbelievable. His brother carried 25 pounds, I think it was, of gear, two miles to try to help people. Janice Dean, who is the weather um, broadcaster for Fox News, her husband is a fireman in New York, and on September 11th, he was off. He tried to get through traffic to get downtown to help his company, who was, of course, close by, and they raced over to the scene. Every member of his company was killed. He was spared because he couldn't get there. You hear stories like that all the time coming from September 11th. When those first towers hit, the videos are still raw. They still resonate even 22 years later. We're almost a generation later. And it still hits you when you watch the documentaries, and they'll be on tonight, all day today, remembering what happened. It's almost unbelievable. Remembering all the changes that were made at airports, some for the good. I mean, we have to protect people, but it's made life traveling a lot more difficult. But I suppose the flip side of that is if we're safer I don't mind standing in the lines. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. But that's what happens when you let illegals come into your country. And some of these people were on the FBI's watch list, and somehow they escaped. I mean, we not only have a corrupt FBI, but we have an incompetent FBI. And that when that second jet hit, remember the feeling of dread you had? God, it was awful. It was awful. Later on in the show, as I do every year on September 11th, I play this tape of a little girl who wrote a, a letter to her deceased father who died fighting or he was either fighting, I can't remember if he was a firefighter. I don't think he was. He was in the towers. That's right. He was in the towers. And so many, almost 3,000, were never going to come home again. I remember the president of Cantor Fitzgerald, an investment company, and they occupied, I believe, two floors in one of the towers. And he was late to work that day because he took his daughter to school. And as he was walking toward the buildings and they were hit, I remember the video of him after the towers had fallen. He was looking around, looking for his employees, all of which were killed. It is a stunning piece of video that should be shown. I said at the time, we should show it every two weeks so that no one ever forgets. 
Go back to that day and remember how everybody was together as Americans that day. Don't you remember that? That tremendous feeling that we were all literally in this together. And we were. And look what's happened since. It didn't take too long for the liberals to separate from the uh, feeling of and spirit of Americanism and patriotism. They went back to their ways of undermining the country, trying to trying to destroy George H or George W. Bush's presidency. As it turned out later, Bush is one of them, as we found out, which was a grave disappointment to those of us who believed in him as president. But imagine what a hell it was up there when you see people, video of people jumping. You're jumping almost a hundred stories because that's your better option. I can't imagine, and we never could know what that was like. I remember the firemen in the lobby and you could hear the thud, the thud, the thud, people jumping, hitting the ground. And yet those firemen still went up into the tower. Now they didn't think probably for one minute that the towers were going to crumble. I don't know how anybody could have envisioned that. But as people were coming down, panicking, describing the hell that was up there, those firemen kept going up those steps. I remember thinking to myself, how are they going to fight that fire? And of course they couldn't. But seeing those people leaning out those windows, climbing out, dropping to their death as the best option was probably the hardest thing to watch of all. Imagine if that were one of your relatives. Biden doesn't care, though. He doesn't care. He's once again thumbed his nose at Americans who are suffering. He couldn't care less. He still hasn't been to East Palestine, Ohio. He never will go. Trust me, that will never happen. He nodded and said hello and talked about how hot the ground was in Hawaii. That was it. Can you imagine if this son of a bitch was president the day that 9-11 took place? Oh, my God. I guess he was too busy this weekend to, to come home from you know glorifying the Chinese, telling everybody how he's not trying to contain them, he's not trying to hurt them. Of course not. If somebody was lining my pockets with millions of dollars, do you think I'd try to hurt them? No. Doesn't work that way. So we go from what a pathetic feeble, feckless joke of a leader this guy is to a real leader. And I'm going to compare him to Deion Sanders, the football coach at Colorado now. Deion is releasing, and someone's releasing, video of his talks to his team prior to practice each day. And every day it's a different theme on leadership. And this is what we need our young people hearing from our leaders, things like this. One day it was Dion talking about giving. See, the thing about us old school people, bro, we're in the giving business. Yes, sir. So all we do is give. We pour into you. We add value. I sit up in my office and I get about 25 knocks a day. Ain't nobody ever coming in there to give. So when somebody knock on my door, I know it's time for me to give something. I got to pour into it. I got to make a decision. I got to identify something. I got to call something that there is that wasn't before. I got to make something happen. 
Because that's who we are. But you, on the other hand, you're about taking right now. That's that's the age and stage. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Because you got to take what we give. Take what we pour into you. Take how we mold you. Take how we shape you. Take what we teach you. Take what we, we learn you. Take what we distribute to you. And make it happen for yourself and your family members and those that you love. And ain't nothing wrong with that. But you got to understand the time. This is your time. And some of you just letting it slide by. Receivers, when you get out there with this quarterback or that quarterback or this quarterback, you got to understand your time and your moment. You don't have time for foolishness. You don't have time to mess up. Some of you running backs, when you get it there and you get your opportunity to hit it, you got to hit it because it's your time. Same thing with your defense line. Some of y'all are purposeful. You do this really well. You do that really well. You do this. It's your time. You got to seize it, man. And I stand up here before you and try to pour into you so much and try to teach you about your time. Some of y'all get sensitive when I'm just trying to push you into your destiny. I've had my time. This ain't about me. This is about every last one of y'all. All these coaches right here have been assembled to bless you. We've had our time. Don't miss your moment, fellas. We had ours. Now it's yours. But you know why God blesses us? Because we do it without the expectation of reciprocation. We don't expect nothing back. We just give, give, and give, and give so you can live, 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 and live the life that you desire. It's your time. Take advantage of the moment. It's incredible stuff, isn't it? I mean, have you ever heard a football coach talk to his players like this? I haven't. How many people would love to have their son go play for him? And he wasn't done the next day. Like I said, it's a different theme every day. He talked about how you can use your mind to believe you can accomplish things you never could before. It has been a multitude of things that I've convinced myself I could do because I had it in my mind. I've never doubted myself because of my mind. I don't know how you doubt yourself because a seed starts in your mind. Your mind is everything. You ain't lazy. Your mind is. You ain't sorry. Your mind is. It's not the fact that you can't learn. It's you, your mind says that. I told the coaches the other day, how can you tell me these kids can't learn, but they can recite every rap song out there? <laughs> and it just came out. It's your mind. It's your mind. So I'm crazy enough to think that that about 11 of y'all, that's all I need, about 11 a day, that you're going to change your mind. And you're going to say to yourself, you know what? I'm getting ready to go out there and do what I've never done. I'm going to be relentless today. I'm going to be a dog today. I'm going to be everything and more of what my coach desires today. I'm not going to make mental errors today. I'm going to hustle today. I'm going to finish plays today. I'm going to be dominant today. I'm going to be physical today. I'm going to be necessary today. And it all starts with the mind. It all starts with the mind. Do I have 11? Do I have 11? Hold on, hold on. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it makes you want to run through a wall. If I'm those guys, I can't wait to get out on the practice field. Sometimes practice can be drudgery. But I I wouldn't be able to wait if I was one of his guys. And they're his guys. Years later down the road, I can't wait to see what these guys have become. And always be Dion's guys, especially this first team. 
It'll always be Dion's guys. Just like a lot of the old basketball players up in Mizzou always tell me, they're Norm's guys. We're Norm's guys. And these are Dion's guys. And listening to him talk to his team the way he does is just incredible. And they went out and pounded Nebraska over the weekend, so they've won two in a row to start their season. When the naysayers said he wouldn't win any. Be lucky to win two, they said. The odds makers said three and a half. Over under. Most people took the under. Didn't think he'd win four. He's halfway there. It's incredible stuff what's going on in Colorado. It is a spectacular story that the media, of course, isn't covering enough. The football networks on Saturday cover it, but I don't see squat on the major news networks. Of course, the liberals will never cover it because Dion's a traitor to them. I mean, he was one of their guys. He's black. He's he's charismatic in the sense that he was outspoken. So, oh, let's get him talking for us. Except he doesn't want to talk for you. He's not one of you. He's a strong Christian. He's not a liberal. Liberals aren't Christians. Don't give me that. Don't tell me you're a Christian and then tell me that you're a liberal. You can't be both. It's impossible. When you support a guy like this vile creature, you can't possibly be Christian. There's no room in the tent for you. Get out. Go be whatever you want to be. It's up to you. That's your choice. But you're not one of us. That's for sure. Here was this SOB in Vietnam over the weekend. And and by the way, if you heard any of that speech, I could probably use it for a week. But here he is at the end of it telling everybody that he's going to bed. He's so tired. Well, there's a lot of lying dog-faced pony soldiers out there about, about global warming. But not anymore. All of a sudden, we're all realizing it's a problem. Uh, sorry. Okay. Staff, is there anybody haven't spoken to? Uh, no, I ain't calling on you. I'm calling on you. I said five questions. Hey, what? I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. Wow. A lot of lying-faced pony soldiers out there about global warming. It's real. It's happening. He's going to go to bed. And I'm not calling on you. Five questions. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I guess he's still in bed this morning with the uh, 9-11 ceremonies going on in New York City. Have you been to this 9-11 memorial? If you haven't, I would... Uh, Hope that you would someday if you get a chance to go to New York. I took my son and his uh, then fiance to New York City at Christmas time in 2000. Let's see, it would have been Christmas of 2016, the week, the day after Christmas. We left and we went up and we went through the memorial. And it is amazing. The only other place I've been to in my life where no one speaks. And I mean, there were hundreds of people in the. Uh, 9-11 Memorial, the day we went in, no one said a word. You might whisper to your neighbor or whisper to, you, I whisper to my son, but I, you don't talk. The only other place was Sachsenhausen prison camp on the outskirts of Berlin and Poland, one of the first concentration camps of the Nazis. When I went there, it was the same way. People were walking around, hundreds of people, 
you could have heard a pin drop. No one said anything. The absolute horror that you're that you're witnessing leaves you speechless. And in that 9-11 memorial, you go down underground. You go down where they still have a stairway. The one stairway that was workable, what firemen were able to use. They have demolished fire trucks on display, untouched from that day. Not cleaned up. It's incredible what you'll see when you go in there. Now, I doubt that Biden's ever been there. And, of course, they're just a block away from a church when all these buildings around the Trade Center towers were demolished or damaged terribly. One church, Trinity Church, stood unharmed, untouched. O'Hara's Pub and Grill was one of the first restaurants to reopen, and they served free meals to the police and the firemen. They opened very quickly. And they have patches on the top of the wall of their bar and their restaurant from every fire department and every police department that was represented in the cleanup of 9-11. It's an amazing place. And the people that work there will tell you stories. I remember I I went in there every night before I'd go back to my hotel just to sit at the bar and talk to the bartender, watch some football. I remember it was bowl season, so I was watching football games up there. It's an incredible place to visit O'Hara's Pub and Grill if you get a chance. And the new tower, of course, America's Tower, I think they call it, is spectacular. I mean, it's, it's higher than the trade centers. It's a shining reminder to the enemy, F you. You're not going to get us again. We were asleep at the switch, but not again. Not again. In the meantime, we've got a president who's over in Asia telling us what his trip is all about. And so really what this trip was about... It was less about containing China. I, I, I don't want to contain China. I'm not, we're not looking to hurt China. Can you imagine a president of the United States uttering those words? He's not looking to contain China. I don't want to hurt China. He should be arrested on charges of treason immediately. That's treasonous speech. He is in bed with the enemy and he's admitting it. admitting it. I tell you what, after hearing Deion Sanders speak to his team, I wouldn't mind seeing Deion run this country. I'm telling you. Get some assistants in there who know the business side of it. Although Deion's a pretty damn good marketing man himself. He knows how to sell something. I'll take anybody who's a leader over this joke. This vile, despicable human being. I don't know that we've ever had a president, Obama included, as rotten as Biden. Obama started it, but Biden is rotten to the core. There's no, I don't even think Obama 
would turn his back on his own granddaughter. Maybe he would. We'll find out, I guess, someday, if those are even his kids. But maybe he'll adopt children with his gay partner. Who knows? I mean, that's what, I mean, all we're hearing now is that Obama's actually bisexual and was a, was a crackhead just like Hunter Biden. Isn't it funny these liberals are all crackheads? It explains a lot. Obama's a crackhead. A bisexual crackhead. That's the story that is being told by the guy who says he's his former lover and drug buddy. And Obama hasn't denied it. Clearly he fears that this guy could expose him if he denied it with a lie. It's clearly true. Because, as I've said many times, if it weren't true, he'd be the first guy at the top of the mountain to scream bloody murder. Hey, this guy's lying about me. Nothing against gays, like this old Seinfeld line. Not that there's anything wrong with it. But I'm not gay. But clearly Obama is, or he would be screaming about it. So Biden tells us the trip is not about China, containing China. He doesn't want to hurt China. Nikki Haley has a differing view of China. They have killed more Americans than the Iraq, Afghanistan, and Vietnam wars combined with their sending fentanyl over. I mean, how much more has to happen for Biden to realize you don't send cabinet members over to China to appease them? You start getting serious with China and say, we're not going to put up with it. They keep sending different cabinet officials over, and it's embarrassing. (laughs) It is embarrassing. But a guy who says, I don't want to contain them, I don't want to hurt them, I really don't expect anything different than that to you. I mean, this is who he is. This is what he does. It's not surprising. These people are all lunatics. I mean, it, it, it blows you away. They continue to destroy the lives of everyday Americans, I guess in favor of China. Uh, the latest despicable display of the judiciary system in this country and the Nazification of our government by Biden is a January 6th political prisoner along with his mother. He's 32. His mom is 59. He escorted his mom to Washington on January 6th, 2021. They um, walked around. They entered the Capitol with a cell phone attached to his chest. He's pictured next to a mob of people who attacked two police officers and pursued them. He did not. He and his mom just wanted to be part of the day and the rally. He had a taser on him to protect his mom. It's incredible that he and his mom have both have now been sentenced as political prisoners. Almost five years in prison. They didn't do any damage. They didn't hurt anybody. 
They simply walked into the Capitol. Which is their right, by the way. Absent some police officer telling them they couldn't. He described his time when he was first put in the prison, the gulags in Washington, D.C. His mother was sent to a different area. They put his mother in with what they considered mentally unstable people. He said, hearing what my mom endured is something a son never wanted to hear. His cell was a mold-infested cell with nothing but cold air and cold water and only a thin mat to lay on. This is how we treat our own citizens who did nothing wrong. Their their family is ruined financially because they're having to pay attorneys a life's worth of money. And this is what's going on in this country. While the sitting president says he's going to go to bed and skip the uh, 9-11 ceremonies that are going on even as we speak. It is incredible, isn't it? And in the meantime, they're trying to doctor the Supreme Court some more. If they can't pack the Supreme Court with more liberals, they'll try to force sitting conservative justices to recuse themselves as the idiot from Illinois, Dick Durbin, the most aptly named person in Congress, tried to do with Justice Samuel Alito. Durbin sent a letter to John Roberts. This is akin to someone sending a note to the teacher to rat you out. He sends a letter to John Roberts, who's the chief justice, urging Roberts to take appropriate steps to ensure that Alito recused himself from a case. Alito refused to do so, and there's no indication that Roberts even asked him to. And and, uh, Alito issued a rare statement explaining why he wasn't accusing himself. He gave Durbin an, an education on the law in the process. Durbin claims to be a lawyer. Durbin's, an, Durbin's just an idiot. He's a weasel. He's a wet fish. He's everything that Washington is. And he's a left-wing lunatic. And Alito told him that when there is no sound reason for a justice to recuse, the justice has a duty to sit on the bench and hear each case. There's no valid recusal for my, reason for my recusal in this case. Durbin wanted him to recuse himself because Alito had participated in a public interview that was partly conducted by a lawyer who was going to argue a case before the court. (laughs) The argument is unsound, Alito responded. He explained that the lawyer in question was acting as a journalist in the interview, then went through a litany of other justices who participated in interviews with the media companies who then had cases before the court. None of those justices recused themselves either, and Durbin didn't complain. Funny how that works. So Dick Durbin can go pound sand as far as Justice Alito is concerned. 
And all I can say to Justice Alito and any other justice who might be thinking retirement is in the near future, wait until this super clown is out of office, please. Please, please, please. And while they're trying to do that, they're rigging their own primary yet again. Remember, they rigged it against Bernie Sanders in 2016, probably rigged it against Sanders again in 2020 because he had that big lead along with even Buttigieg was ahead of Biden until South Carolina. RFK Jr. says they're doing it again this time around. They've made rules that if anybody campaigns in Iowa or sets foot, any candidate sets foot in the state of Iowa or sets foot in the state of New Hampshire, that none of the votes that are cast for that candidate will be uh, will be tallied. In other words, any delegate that I win in New Hampshire or Iowa would go instead uh, to the president. And uh, And now they're trying to change it so that if I campaign in New Hampshire, that none of the votes cast for me in Georgia will count. I would have to win almost uh, 80% of all of the states in order to beat President Biden, even if he only wins 20%. That's convoluted. But it's corrupt to the gills, right? Can't get any more corrupt than that. And that's what they're doing to RFK Jr. Now remember, they did it to Bernie Sanders in 2016. Later found out that Donna Brazil was involved personally in rigging that election, that primary, against Sanders so that Hildy would win. And then out of nowhere comes Biden in South Carolina in 2020 while Bernie Sanders is ahead again. Bernie Sanders has to be the dumbest person on earth. They've done it to him twice, and yet he still supports them. That's pretty incredible. And now next week, and it's not going to be reported very loudly, I'll promise you that, $6 billion, with a B, billion dollars of unfrozen Iranian funds are being wired to banks in Qatar as early as next week. That's going to trigger a carefully choreographed sequence that will have as many as five detained U.S. dual nationals leave Iran and a similar number of Iranian prisoners held in the United States get to go home. We're unfreezing $6 billion of Iranian assets. Why? Biden's getting money from Iran too. We've already seen this group with Obama and Kerry and Biden sending billions to Iran before. And now just more. So they're in the business of rigging elections again. They're starting out with their own. Pretty amazing. Now, how loud will Bobby Kennedy scream about it? He's telling the world about it now. What will he do about it? I don't know. I hope he has 
legal action available. I don't know what kind of legal action it would entail. But if there is a legal way, a legal remedy to this, he would figure it out. He's a very good lawyer. He has tried, he's actually tried hundreds of cases as opposed to people like Fauci who've never seen a patient and call themselves a doctor. Burke's the same way. These are political animals. It's all they'll ever be. And so as we find out more creepiness about Obama and we recognize that it's Obama that's pulling the strings of this puppet Biden, the charlatan is Obama, and I still believe that Biden's life partner, whatever it is, will be running. Now, the claims by Larry Sinclair, who says he's the gay lover of Obama and drug buddy, are startling and I would think would prohibit Obama's whatever from running because this is going to be front and center. Now, of course, they'll get the gays to vote for them, but that's about it. I once feared Mikey Obama running, but I don't anymore. And what the Republicans would have to do is make sure that it's hammered home that this would be the fourth term for Obama. And in every term that Obama has served, whether as de facto president or as real president, the country has gone down, downward. I was watching the uh, the Four Stooges at the Lower Manhattan ceremony for 9-11 this morning, those Four Stooges being Bloomberg, Hockule, Eric Adams, and Heels Up Harris. Imagine that foursome having anything to do with any leadership role in any capacity in any country at all on the face of the earth. One is literally dumber than the other. Bloomberg is a smart businessman, but a horrible speaker and a horrible leader. With his money, he couldn't get anywhere near elected. Couldn't even remain on the debate stage. That's how bad he is. You know, they allow relatives of the deceased from 9-11 to read names, and they rotate. Each person reads a few names, and other people come up, other families. I swear I would take this opportunity to, after I read the names, I would say, and there's one name that's not here, and that's the President of the United States who couldn't care less about all of our people. And then I'd walk away. I know it's a solemn day. Not, not a place for political speech, but that wouldn't be political speech. That's human speech. That's a human being recognizing that this guy who's supposed to be the commander-in-chief who protects us couldn't even be present. Instead, he's sending $6 billion to Iran. Well, essentially, because he's unfreezing the funds. I don't get it. Obama warned us long ago that his dream, other than gay sex, is to have a third term. What you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec, a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, 
I had a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Uh, I, I'd be fine with that. He actually would be fine with that. Who in their right mind would even think of that? He's the ultimate Manchurian candidate. Biden would be, and that's what he is. But who would even think in those terms? Do you think President Trump thinks, you know, after my next term, I hope I can sit in my basement and talk into an earpiece to the guy who's in there and have him do what I tell him to do? No other president would even think that way, except this egomaniacal, bisexual, crack-smoking, lunatic Obama. It's incredible that he thinks that way. (laughs) It's beautiful stuff. I'd rather see a guy like David Wells, who's a former pitcher for the Yankees and was at old-timers a day, the 75th old-timers day at Yankee Stadium on Saturday. They were celebrating the 25th Anniversary of the 98 Yankees who won 125 games and won the World Series. So Wells was there. Now David Wells will never be mistaken for a liberal of any sort. In fact, when he wore his Yankee jersey for the ceremony on Saturday, he put a piece of tape over the Nike logo, a piece of medical tape, so nobody could see it. When somebody asked him, he said, I hate Nike. They're woke. He said if he were playing today, he would have cut a hole into his jersey and worn it on the field like that rather than have Nike's logo on his body. And he said today's players are soft. He defended uh, Brian Cashman, their general manager. He's right, they are soft. Extremely so. This is a guy who won 239 games as a pitcher. So he was asked if he drinks Bud Light, and he fired back, nope, which prompted liberal complete lunatic Keith Olbermann to infuse himself into the situation. Olbermann tagged Wells on Twitter, with a screenshot of the former pitcher voicing his displeasure with Bud Light because he was drinking a Bud Light at the time. And Oberman tweeted another effing fraud. Oberman's too stupid to understand that plenty of people, myself included, have had Bud Light in the past. Once they made their decision to alienate all of us, we don't drink it any further. Same with David Wells. But Oberman's not smart enough to understand that. He's such a liberal psychopath. And he is a psychopath. And Wells struck back with a response. Keith, shut the F up. Just because you never played the game and all you did was work for ESPN and talk SH on all of us players because you have a degree in journalism makes you an expert on putting athletes down. And that's if you even have a degree. Stick to your politics. (laughs) 
David Wells is a character, and you got to love him. And anybody who takes Oberman down is just beautiful. Oberman's so stupid. He's, he's actually beyond stupid. Newt Gingrich could summarize best what we're going through right now, and every word of this is spot on. I think we are drifting towards the greatest constitutional crisis since the 1850s uh, and the rise of secession and the Civil War. <clears throat> I don't mean that as hyperbole. Uh, if you read Andy McCarthy's remarkable book, Ball of Collusion, which came out in 2019, he makes very clear that it is Barack Obama who corrupts the Justice Department. It is Hillary Clinton <clears throat> who routinely breaks the law and gets away with it. And now we have Joe Biden who's learned. He's learned from Obama that <clears throat> doesn't matter what you do, if you're a liberal Democrat, you will not be prosecuted. He learned from Hillary that a person in high public office can get millions and millions of dollars. And they learned from watching Donald Trump that a true outsider willing to take on the entire system could destroy their entire machine. So what you're seeing across the country is a desperate last-ditch effort by a corrupt machine to destroy their most dangerous opponent in a way which not only breaks the Constitution, destroys the rule of law, and establishes a moment of bitterness, uh, which I think will last for a generation or more. I think you, this is going to be a horrendous period, and we just need to understand. The people who want to control America and dictate to the rest of us will break any law, lie about any topic, and manipulate the system any way they can, and that includes a lot of the elite news media. Carpe six billion times DM to Newt Gingrich. How accurate was that? We've been saying it for years now on this show. They will tell any lie. They don't care. They will break any law. They will do whatever's necessary to destroy Donald Trump so that they can control us. They know he's in the way. That's why they're so vociferous in trying to get him. It's incredibly obvious. I can't imagine someone who would miss it. But they do. Because people aren't bright. And then you've got that pompous, arrogant-ass Lawrence Tribe, who is a law professor at Harvard. I don't know if he still is. The only guy I know who would spell his first name Lawrence L-A-U I guess he thinks that makes him important. And he's decided that the 14th Amendment should be invoked to somehow keep President Trump off the ballot. Now, there is no language in the 14th Amendment that would do that, but that doesn't stop people like Lawrence Tribe, who's not a very bright guy. This guy's a law professor at Harvard. That was his career. And yet every time he advocates a position or gets involved legally in a case, he gets overturned by an appellate court. And now he's taking off after Jonathan Turley because Jonathan Turley rightly says the 14th Amendment contains no such language. Mr. Turley doesn't know what he's talking about. The fact that there was no charge of incitement, no no, no conviction, that's not the point. If you engage in an attempt to overturn the government, you shouldn't be entrusted with power again. It is 
conservatives like Judge Ludig and members of the Federalist Society who agree with me. I'm afraid that Jonathan Turley is basically a hack. And that's what people on the left always do. Rather than have a discussion of a disagreement on a legal issue, Tribe calls him a hack. That didn't sit well with Jonathan Turley, but he's too classy to call Tribe what he really is, an amateur sleuth who knows nothing. But Turley did respond. And part of it is that Tribe is a typical liberal full of rage. Rage is addictive, and Professor Tribe shows that addiction. You know, there was a time when law professors could simply disagree and really argue the merits. Tribe has a signature for attacking people. I got off light. He uses vulgarity uh, against, uh, you know, conservatives that don't share his opinions. And I, frankly, I just think that that is a tragedy for our profession. But on the merits here, what he is suggesting is not just wrong, it's dangerously wrong. You know, as I say in a column in the New York Post in response to that attack, uh, Tribe has often been wrong on these cases. Uh, courts rejected him over and over again. I mean, the California Supreme Court rejected one of the bills that he said was constitutional unanimously. That was the California Supreme Court. A California liberal Supreme Court unanimously overturned Lawrence Tribe. Alan Dershowitz is a colleague of Tribe's at the Harvard Law School. And Alan Dershowitz understands Tribe and Tribe's student, former student, who was Adam Schiff. They want to substitute elitism for democracy. Uh, This is headed by Professor Lawrence Tribe, who always construes the Constitution to help his political side. And his former student, Adam Schiff, is pushing it very hard in Congress. But it's uh, an absurd and dangerous interpretation of the Constitution. Remember, the 14th Amendment doesn't say disqualified from running. It says can't serve, can't serve, which means you can use this as a mechanism in lieu of impeachment. You can go after the mayor of San Francisco saying that he engaged in acts of insurrection by uh, allowing the city to become a sanctuary city or mayors of cities that uh, allow demonstrations that turn to violence uh, or President Biden for opening the borders. I remember that uh, that Adam Schiff and, and Lawrence Tribe say this is self-enforcing. You don't need a conviction. You don't need an indictment. You don't need a congressional resolution. All you need is somebody like Adam Schiff saying that he thinks that Trump engaged in these actions, and that's enough. It's self-enforcing. That's the most absurd interpretation of the Constitution I've ever heard. But Alan Dershowitz has to remind himself that it is also arrogant. The arrogance of Schiff and Lawrence Tribe who say, because we say so, it is so. Doesn't matter what you think. Because we say so, that makes it real. And that's what they mean by self-enforcing. Well, we say it says that, so it's done. There's no room for discussion here. Steve Bannon has, uh, and Peter DeVero, both have charges of contempt of Congress against them filed by Pelosi's gang of criminals. Now, Ivan Raikland, who is a 
law professor and a law, a constitutional law expert, weighed in and said something very interesting over the weekend. Our director of research found this, that because we've had a change in power in the House, remember these actions were brought by Nancy Pelosi's Congress, her House of Representatives, Andrew McCarthy, not Andrew, uh, Kevin McCarthy can dismiss, in, in essence, both of their cases. I think it can be immediate in terms of it could happen before dinner today as we're speaking here. And the whole foundational basis of the criminal referral that was placed on Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, bottom line here is that the Congress are, is the body that did the criminal referral for those two for contempt of Congress because they did not respond in the manner in which the Congress wanted as it applies to the J6 cover-up committee, as I'd like to call it. And so this current Congress can easily just go ahead and rescind that criminal referral so that then it becomes moot in the district court. And the person that could easily do that is Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Now the question becomes very quickly, why aren't you doing it? Is he afraid of political fallout? So what? They're not afraid of political fallout when they wrongfully indict a president and anyone around him. It's time to fight back. If McCarthy doesn't rescind these contempt of Congress charges, then McCarthy needs to be replaced. Impeach McCarthy. And as Ivan Raikland said, it could be done as quickly as Dinner time today? Well, then if it isn't done by dinner time, start moving Matt Gates and company, moving to get rid of McCarthy. I've never trusted McCarthy anyway. I don't like a guy with his hair slicked like that. Never, never a hair out of place. That's a little disconcerting to me. So McCarthy, it's your, the, the, the game is in your court or the ball is in your court, I should say. It's time for you to step up and rescind those charges and tell the liberals, here's how it's going to get done. You think you're going to pull this crap anymore? You are not. And do it today. Right now. Send a message. Megan Kelly is sending a message about taking the vaccine. She was one of those who took it in the original days, and she regrets it, and she's feeling Ill effects of health. I regret getting the vaccine, even though I'm a 52-year-old woman, because I don't think I needed it. I think I would have been fine. I got COVID many times, and I it was well past when the vac- vaccine was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, and then for the first time, I tested positive for an autoimmune issue at my annual physical. Hmm. And I asked, I went to the best rheumatologist in New York, and I asked her, do you think this could have to do with the fact that I got the damn booster and then got covid Within three weeks. And she said, yes, yes, I wasn't the only one she'd seen that with. Wow. Wow. So you take a perfectly healthy Megan Kelly, apparently, give her this booster shot, and now all of a sudden she has autoimmune problems that she never had before. And when she goes to all of these rheumatologists, they tell her, yes, that's what caused it. Unbelievable, isn't it? If you're joining us late, it is September 11th. We are commemorating uh, the anniversary of 9-11, 20, 
two years ago today. But we're observing the day and we're commemorating the day. But the President of the United States is not. He decided to skip it in New York City, to skip it in Shanksville, and to skip it in Washington, D.C. Instead, he's in Alaska someplace, floundering around like a wet piece of flounder. And nobody knows why he's why he's there and not here. But imagine, he's the only president in the 22 years since the attacks who's failed to be there for the ceremonies in all three places. It's pretty sickening, isn't it? So, Megyn Kelly, maybe um, your advocacy and that of Dr. Joseph Ladapa, who's the Florida Surgeon General, will keep people from taking this new vaccine that hasn't even been tested, and yet they want you to take it now. There's a new vaccine that's coming around the corner, a new mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, and there's... There's, there's essentially no evidence for it. There's been no clinical trial done in human beings showing that it benefits people. There's been no clinical trial showing that it is a safe product for people. And not only that, but then there, there are a lot of red flags. So something that you don't hear much about, but we'll be talking more about, is that there are multiple studies now from around the world, Brazil, I think Australia, United States, that show that over time, these vaccines, these mRNA COVID-19 products, actually increase your chances of contracting COVID-19. Um, that's, you know, that's not normal. No, it's not normal. That is Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo telling you to stay away from it. Stay the hell away from it. In one of the greatest ironies in history, probably, Novak Djokovic, unvaccinated, unapologetic, banned from playing in the U.S. Open for two years because of Biden, while illegal aliens could cross the border anytime they wanted without being vaccinated. But the greatest tennis player in the world couldn't do so. But he came this year to play, and he won yesterday. He won the U.S. Open in straight sets. It was his 24th Grand Slam title. He now surpasses any records, men or women, in singles Grand Slam titles. And he did it his way by giving the finger to Biden and all of the vaxxers. But even more important, he did it in a tournament that Moderna was the main sponsor for. (laughs) That makes it even more triumphant. Way to go, Novak. The Joker puts the joke on Moderna and Biden by winning his all-time 24th Grand Slam title in a tournament sponsored by Moderna. Now that is sexual. That That is a sexy moment, isn't it? Carpe diem, Joker. That is almost, you couldn't write it up that way. I love it. So Biden flounders in Alaska. Uh, the president of China flounders back home in China. He's not visiting anywhere. He's not leaving the country. And Gordon Chang, an expert on all things China, wonders if he's not in trouble. I think that he's at some risk. And I don't know if this is the reason for him not traveling, but we can see, for instance, Mm. that his policies are being criticized. So, for instance, in the August Beidaha Summit, which the Chinese leaders hold each year, there are now reports coming out that um, he was uh, Xi Jinping was subject to criticism for going too far in his policies. 
We've also heard some really interesting rumors about Chin Gong, the former foreign minister. Um, people are now saying that he was not only sidelined, but he was executed. Now, I don't believe those rumors, um, but nonetheless, the fact mm. that those rumors are now circulating in China and the fact that they've been allowed to circulate suggests that there are senior Communist Party leaders who want to undermine Xi Jinping. We know the problems that the country is facing, especially the economy. We know Xi Jinping has been taking a lot of criticism for that. So you put two and two together and you can say, well, we don't know the reason for Xi not going to India, but it could very well be internal, not external. Very fascinating stuff. And we'll never know. I mean, their economy started to go on the fritz thanks to Trump and Trump's tariffs, some of which are still in effect. Biden hasn't rescinded all of them, to my knowledge. So Trump is still affecting China, even after he's been out of office for two and a half years. And and affecting China in a wonderful way for us, as opposed to his successor, who wants all things good for China. And has said so publicly, just on this particular trip. He doesn't want to contain China. He wants them to run roughshod over the rest of the world, including us. He doesn't want to hurt China. He said that too. And as if the bad news of Biden being our president isn't bad enough, this lunatic, 83-year-old, vodka-chugging, despicable human being, Nancy Pelosi, says she's going to run again. But if you listen closely as she says she's running for re-election, she's basically telling you it's already done. You know why she's saying that? Because it is. They've already rigged it in her favor. I feel very exhilarated by the encouragement I had uh, to continue representing my great city of San Francisco. And the um, uh, needs that our, our city has right now really call for me to stay another term. Central to my service was representing my district. Uh, in gratitude to them for that, I have agreed to stay on another term in order to help meet the needs that we have now. Did you hear that last part? She has agreed to stay on another term. Wait a minute. Aren't you going to have an election? If you just happen to agree to stay on another term, then Donald Trump's still in the White House. But in Pelosi's world, all she has to do is say, okay, I'll stay. And then it's her job because it's already rigged. That was a little bit of a slip up on Nanner's part to admit that her Congressional race is rigged. She's exhilarated because she she knows that the needs of San Francisco call for her to return. What has she ever done? That city is a shithole. What has she done for that city? Well, she does live behind a gated community wall. She does that. In a $13 million home on $175,000 a year salary. And it wasn't always 175000 But we also know that she has been guilty of insider trading secrets with stock purchases and sales. She and her husband buying and selling stocks that are coming up for legislation in front of her when she was Speaker. Interesting, isn't it? But she said that she's agreed to stay another term. That means the election's already over. She didn't say, I'm going to run... I've agreed to stay. Greg Gutfeld, what do you make of this 
octogenarian. An 83-year-old running again. But if she and people like Feinstein and Fetterman, McConnell and Biden are what we have running the country, and they can't even pull together one working brain cell, then Republicans should go even older. Nominate the leaders we love who are dead. Ronald Reagan, George H.W., Abe Lincoln, why not? What's the difference between them and the current slate of politicians we got? They may be dead, but they're great. Those others are dead and they suck. (laughs) Oh, they're dead, figuratively speaking. But they're alive running the country. Pelosi had the nerve to talk about San Francisco's problems as if they don't exist. It's about mental health issues that lead to homelessness, it's about drug use that lead to homelessness, it's about affordable housing. But we're very proud of our city. Our city is alive and vibrant and thriving, and uh, it's great. <laughs> the ultimate delusional wench. It's alive and thriving, and it's great. You have people barfing and crapping all over your streets, shooting up drugs in tents on your streets. You have rampant crime so bad that pharmacies, national pharmacies like Walgreens, are closing their doors on your street corners. But she says it's thriving, it's vibrant, it's great. Your tourism is at a standstill because nobody wants to come to San Francisco. So your city is not thriving, it's not alive, and it's by no means great by anyone's psychotic definition, and you are a psychotic. Speaking of which, the people on The View, led by Anna Navarro and the idiot Joy Behor, talking about how upset they are now that these illegal aliens that they were trumpeting as they crossed the border have now been sent to their cities, and they don't like that at all. And then at the very end, you will hear the Sky News anchors in Australia react to Bahor. It puts tremendous stress on, on, on a city, on a community, on the social services. They need to be resettled elsewhere. That they, right? need they need to be out. We're this massive yeah. country. Well, and it's only going to get worse with global warming and climate change because people can't live in certain parts of this world. <laughs> <laughs> It's climate change. Only going to get worse. (laughs) You won't hear any liberal commentators in this country react like that. No siree. It's climate change. It's only going to get worse. I I can't quite understand Bahor's reasoning there. So they don't want the illegals in New York. But one of the reasons is because of climate change. Do these people have horrific breath and they're going to destroy the the atmosphere with their breath? What is she talking about? Well, the answer is, of course, the same as it always is with her. She has no idea what she's talking about. She just says stuff. I just make it up as I go. Well, as we come to a break in this segment, I wanted to um, do what I always do on 9-11. I play this. Little girl writing a note to her deceased father who died in the towers. And this is a true uh, writing with music edited in with it. I think it will touch you. 
I think it will make you realize the importance of this day, even though the President of the United States has it lost on him. Maybe he should be forced to meet this little girl. It's been a year, Daddy. I really, really miss you. Mommy says you're safe now. In a beautiful place called heaven. We have your favorite dinner tonight. I ate it all up. Even though I don't like carrots. This one this summer. I can even open my eyes. I'm underwater. Can't we see any? Maybe you're all that I want. And you're lying in my arms. Finding it hard to believe we're in heaven. I started kindergarten this year. Love is all that I need. And I find it there in your heart. It isn't too hard to see. We're in heaven. Carry a picture of us. My boots, clues, lunchbox. Oh, once in your life, find someone. You are the greatest daddy. What's in your world? Just 
in case you come home. In case me good night. I love you so much. I miss you, Daddy. And the President of the United States couldn't take the time to honor those people. We'll be back with more right after this. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and children or working on some stage in L.A.? Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky? Did you shout out in anger and fear for your neighbor? Or did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones? Pray for the ones who don't know. You rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sought for the ones left below. Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they knew? Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN But I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in Iraq and Iran But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us Greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Teaching a class full of innocent children Or driving down some cold interstate Did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor In a crowded room did you feel alone Did you call up your mother and tell her you loved her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset the first time in ages? Speak to some stranger on the street. Did you lay down at night? Think of tomorrow Go out and buy you a gun Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching And turn on our luxury runs Did you go to a church and hold hands with some strangers Stand in line and give your own blood Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family Thank God you had somebody to love Just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man 
And we welcome you back in on this Monday morning, September 11th, 2023. We need a boost of energy right now from Monster Energy Drink as we come to you in the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Kings Court, on kevinslaytonshow.com. That Monster Energy Drink goes well now. I need a boost. I need to focus after listening to that little girl who's probably a mom by now, wouldn't you think? She's in her 20s. After uh, writing and voicing that 22 years ago, sounded like she was about four or five. It gets you every time. I play that every year, and it still undoes me. And so I, um, I look around, and I think, how do you get through this day, especially if you're one of these families? And I'm not kidding you when I say Monster Energy Drink can give you that energy you need. It does. It lifts you up. Give it a shot. Try the sugar-free one. That's what I do. 10 calories, you bet. 10 calories. Maybe the old man, the the doddering old man should be doing it. You know, sadly, they're conducting ceremonies at the Pentagon, too, and that fraud Mark Milley is over there all the time. He needs to, Somebody needs to be rid of him, too. Everywhere you look, we have nothing but corruption even on this day, it's it's a slap in the face to everyone whose life was lost that Mark Milley and Harris and Lloyd Austin are at these ceremonies. But, of course, the guy who has the top job is nowhere to be found. Unless you're looking at Alaska. Congratulations to, uh, I've mentioned Novak Djokovic for winning the men's U.S. Open tennis tournament. By the way, our phone lines are open, 636-348-4460, 636-348-4460. Are you as outraged as I am about Biden's disappearance from the 9-11 ceremonies? But I mentioned uh, the Joker winning the men's 
U.S. Open. Coco Goff, an American woman, won the women's U.S. Open Grand Slam singles title. She's a black girl. Uh, Coco Goff is one of the rising stars of tennis, certainly in our country and obviously in the world with her victory that establishes her as such. Very quickly after she won, she was sitting on her chair courtside, and she got up off her chair and got down on her knees with her elbows propping her up on her chair, and she prayed. She publicly prayed. What did ESPN do? They share a, their, on their Twitter account a video of her doing this, and their caption is, Coco Goff took a moment to soak it all in after winning her first Grand Slam title. Tony Dungy, who's one of my favorite human beings and a man of strong Christian faith, saw that and tweeted back at, at ESPN. Remember, he is on NBC's Sunday Night Football coverage, and he tweeted back at them, I hate to break this to you, Sports Center, but Coco Goff was not soaking it all in at this moment. She was praying. She's been very open about her Christian faith in the past. It seems pretty obvious what she was doing here. ESPN and their fellow liberals try to convince you that what you see is not what you see. This girl was obviously praying. That's not soaking it all in. That's praying. People are sickening. And this is Coco Goff winning after she had lost in the French Open. And she said that was heartbreak for her. But I realized God puts you through tribulations and trials, and this makes this moment even sweeter than I could imagine. One of the reporters asked her what she was praying for after the match. She said, I don't pray for results. I just ask that I get the strength to give it my all, and whatever happens, happens. I'm so blessed in this life. I'm thankful this moment. I don't have any words for it, to be honest. They don't like her being a Christian. They don't like it at all. In fact, they they ignore it. They tried to. ESPN tried to ignore it. And on the court afterward when she was being interviewed in front of the fans and on national television, she said, I'm just happy to be here in this moment. I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's been a lot of nights alone crying, trying to figure it out. And I still have a lot to figure out, but I thank him for covering me. She thanked those who gave a lot of prayer, a lot of support from my church family and others. Well, they hate hearing this. I mean, that's like kryptonite to Superman. It's like a, a crucifix to Dracula. They hate hearing this. It drives liberals crazier. Nothing drives them crazier except the pot, with a possible exception of Donald Trump gaining in polls Every time he's indicted, that drives him absolutely batshit. But so does this. Her talking about her Christianity and how thankful she is to Jesus, that drives him absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And she had a lot of thank yous over and over for her father. She is a black girl who does not come from a broken family. She has a father in her family and in her life.
The liberals don't want a black woman who comes from a traditional family with a father in in the house and a Christian family at that. They don't want it. They are allergic to it, trust me. They hate every moment of it. They were wishing that Billie Jean King could play again. (laughs) Or some tranny. Some tranny to win. That'll probably happen at some point. At some point. But you never know. And also they hate uh, Deion Sanders for his Christianity and the way he witnesses to Christ. Remember when he first took over the team, when he first got hired to Colorado, and he spoke to his team about his Christian beliefs, there was an uproar from the liberal psychopaths, probably from those in Colorado, but I think mostly it was media. How dare him talk to those players about his Christian faith? Of course, you you hear him say it every time he talks. He can't speak and end his comments without saying, God bless you and God is great. Deion Sanders is going to be one of the great forces in this country. A lot of us didn't like the original Dion. He wasn't this Dion. But the moment he became a Christian, he became this Dion. And this Dion is special. You can hear it as we've played for you in his talks to his team. And the more publicity that gets, the better it is for all of us who are Christians. Because we're not going to back down. That's not what we're made of. You can't stop us. You can't dictate our beliefs. They'll try, but they'll never succeed. And so Coco Goff, we all applaud you. We're all thrilled with your victory in the U.S. Open. And carpe diem to Tony Dungy for letting ESPN know exactly what she was doing. She wasn't soaking it all in. She was thanking God and praying. What a pack of dopes. 636-348-4460 if you want to weigh in on any of our topics. 636-348-4460. What do you think of Biden skipping the, I just can't believe I'm saying this, skipping the 9-11 ceremonies? What do you think of Coco Goff and her Christianity? What do you think of Tony Dungy straightening ESPN out? All kinds of things this morning. And the clock is ticking for Kevin McCarthy to rescind the contempt of Congress charges against Kevin, or excuse me, against Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro. Kevin McCarthy needs to do that. He has the authority to do such. He can do it today. He can do it before lunchtime. And Matt Gates, I hope you're putting him on the clock to do it. If you're not, then we've got problems. Big time problems. That's a simple no-brainer. The power's there. The authority's there. The reasoning is very clear. It's the Democrats, once again, trying to weaponize the court system and the criminal justice system. So, in my opinion, it is Kevin McCarthy's duty to absolve these guys. 
It's his duty. And if he doesn't do it, then shame on him. That's the way I look at it. Good morning, Dave. You're on with us. How are you today? Kevin, good morning. I'm doing well. How are you, sir? I'm also doing well. Let me tell you what, and if I have my numbers correct, probably the last at least 15-plus years, your 9-11 tribute show uh, is probably one of the best that's ever put on yearly. Well, thank and, you. I appreciate that. It's a meaningful day, and I mean to honor those people that lost their lives that day and the heroes that lost their lives trying to save them. Well, I have no problem admitting this. When you play the speech by that little girl at the time, probably now a woman, like you said, I can't listen to it because I've heard it uh, the, the first time you played it. And I got to admit, I, I was crying like a girl who got dumped at prom. <laughs> and I, I, I just can't listen to it now. A friend of mine just texted me that he's heard it every year and it still tugs at his heart. Oh my God, Kevin! I didn't even I didn't listen to it when you turned it on. And no disrespect, no disrespect at all, zero. But but I'm getting choked up just the thought of even talking to you about it. It's hard. It's a tough one to get through because we can all uh, those of us who have a granddaughter or a daughter. I mean, just imagine, imagine what that little girl. Oh. Uh, yeah, I can't I, imagine. I, uh, and God bless Frank Siller for this Tunnel to Towers Foundation. He helps those people. He helps them get a mortgage-free home. Well, I, I've heard you talk about Tunnels to Tower, and the other one I've heard about is uh, Folds of Honor. And it's another great I, one. I, 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 I think I'm going to uh, alternate six months one, six months the other. Uh $11 a month, I guarantee you, I piss more than $11 away a day on stuff I don't need. I could give it to somebody who actually does need it. I agree with you. And that's, look, that's all they're asking for. You can give more, folks, but if, if you can give more, but if you can't, that's all they're asking you for is $11 a month, and that makes it work. That's the, that's the financial formula that makes it work. Well, Kevin, I'll keep it short so other people can get in. I'll call later on the sports show. Outstanding is always my friend, always a tearjerker on 9-11, and I thank you. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate the call. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult day, uh, even if you don't have a family member that's involved. It's a difficult day as an American. And that's why I played Alan Jackson's song in the break, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? And all of those thoughts that he jotted down, both he and Daryl Worley, who, whose song I played at the beginning of the show today, both of them wrote those songs that day. Imagine the inspiration that came. And there are other ones, too. But I, I, I just remember so vividly sort of walking around in a daze the rest of the day and for the next few days as I was glued to the television watching the coverage praying that they would find people alive. And, of course, they did find a couple of police officers that were trapped, um, but that was about it. There weren't uh, there weren't going to be many. And it was just so sad as you watch those people who were looking for their family members, putting their pictures up on a wall, asking if anyone had seen them, if anyone knows where they are. Are they at these hospitals? 
So great Americans like Frank Tiller saw this situation, saw the grief, felt the grief because his brother died, and rose well above the occasion to do what he's doing with Tunnel to Towers. I've never seen a guy work so hard on a foundation like that, one he created. He didn't just lend his name to it. He's nonstop. And I still love hearing George W. Bush on that megaphone. We played it earlier. Let's hear it again. I want you all to know that America today, America today is on bended knees in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who work here, for the families who mourn. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! You know, the thing that strikes me, and I said it many times subsequent to that day, and I say it always, that we should show the videos of those buildings coming down every every two weeks on the national newscasts. Just a daily or a weekly reminder, a bi-weekly reminder, whatever it would be, so that no one ever forgets. But people have forgotten already. And in Daryl Worley's song, when he says, you know, these these shrinks are telling us, well, it wouldn't be good for people to see that all the time. Shut up. There's a whole generation of people alive today who didn't see it, who can only see it when it's rebroadcast. They weren't alive. And I wonder what that little girl that we played the tape on, she's a, perhaps a mom by now. I wonder what she tells her little kids about their grandpa. And yet Biden couldn't be bothered to be there. Jeez. What kind of a country do we live in anymore? We have people in this country who vote for him. Might be your neighbor. Might be your brother. In my case, it's my brother. There's something wrong with people like that. It's pathetically sad. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So, folks, as we go through the day, you're going to see more remind, uh, reminders. Um, the, Of course, the ceremonies at the exact times when the uh, buildings were struck. The unbelievable videos you'll see of those buildings coming down. Remember the mushroom cloud that just shot out? And went down streets. People were ducking into buildings, hiding inside as that toxic 
smoke flew past. They didn't know what was coming. Hell, it was probably pipes and pieces of concrete. Who knows what was flying past them. It's tough stuff, though. And as you watch the family members reading the names and maybe an inspirational message with them, it's gut-wrenching. But the most troubling part is, as you see all of the locations, the Pentagon, the Towers, Shanksville, you don't see the President of the United States. Remember the criticism they gave George W. Bush that day? Because the Secret Service told him that we're staying in Air Force One. We're not going back to Washington until it's all clear. And they called him a coward and everything else. And yet he came home. He delivered a great speech that night. A couple of days later, the speech with the megaphone. And yet today, here's a president with no threat to his life by being in Washington or New York or Shanksville, and he's in none of the three. None of the three. They unfurled a huge flag at the Pentagon from the roof down over the walls in the area where the plane struck the Pentagon. Good for them. Well, folks, we're going to take uh, uh, leave of the show, let you soak it all in if you're in front of a television set or wherever you might be. But uh, we're back fighting the good fight again tomorrow morning at 7. Don't forget today at noon, our Monster Energy drink, stl-cars.com sports broadcast. will be on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. So join us then. And we'll be back here tomorrow morning. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.